Do you have aspirations to be a leader in your business or organization? Welcome to Leadership Stars with your host, Linda Patton. Each week, we feature true leaders recognized in their fields who provide insight and ideas in creating a strong team and how you can become an effective leader. Now, here is Linda Patton. Welcome to today's episode of Leadership Stars. I am so excited about today. Um, I have a very, very special guest. In fact, we were just talking about the fact that we actually booked this six, no, more than six months ago, um, and we've really been looking forward to making it happen. And so let me ask you some questions. Um, Did you know that 70% of working adults experience imposter syndrome? In fact, we were just talking about that uh, just before we came on the show. You, your partner, someone on your team may often be exhibiting feelings of self-doubt, incompetence, inadequacy, like they're faking it till they make it, no matter how qualified they actually are. There is a remedy, and today's guest, a psychologist whose passion is to help people embrace their true worth can help. So let's welcome the incomparable Dr. Emmy Estacio. Emmy, welcome. Hi, Linda. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so delighted that we finally got to this place that we could actually talk and have a conversation about imposters. Yes, absolutely. I mean, this is something that I've seen time and time again, you know, with with my colleagues, with my students and the people that I work with in the community, that even if they have all these qualifications and experience, all these knowledge overflowing, they still feel as if they are incompetent or they're still they still feel as if they are not good enough at what they do so I think this is a really important topic and I hope that your audience will find value in our conversation today and I'm sure they will I mean I I, I guess one of the things that intrigues me is that you're absolutely right you know we, we have all these letters after our names and we've got I have 40 years of experience and yet you there's still that sense of feeling like you're a fraud why is that well, it's probably innate in us. Um, we, we tend to question whether we are good enough. We, you probably have heard of the inner critic before, have you? Oh, yes. Yeah, these inner, you know, these voices inside of us that tell us you're not good enough or, you know, you, you, you're not qualified enough to do the job. But this is actually very common, as you've mentioned earlier, about 70% of us will experience imposter syndrome at some point in our in our working lives. And, and that's that's absolutely fine. But what is not fine is for imposter syndrome to take over us and not to be able to manage it and, and do what we have to do. So it's okay to actually feel this way. It just makes us feel that um, we have to do something about it, that we have to keep pushing ourselves to be better. But don't let it overtake your lives or overtake your work because um, it can be crippling for some people. It's just a matter of being able to manage it and learning how to to control it. I think that's so absolutely true. I, I'm, my audience knows that I started speaking at the age of seven um, wow. and, was, and was told by my grandmother that I should never stand up in front of groups of people and talk, that I wasn't very good at it. And it really took till I was in my... 20s for me to actually be able to get up on a stage and to speak and to not 
you know, basically, no, no, not me. You want somebody else. You don't want me. And even even with that, even with getting accolades, um, recruiting twice as many people into a, a program as my other speakers and, and that kind of thing, I, I still, to this day, mm-hmm. have that sense of, ooh, can I really do this? Um, and I actually have to, I don't want to say psych myself out, mm-hmm. but I do turn away from the audience, get myself into a certain space turn around and then it's like I, I can create magic but there is that inner critic who still sits there and still goes you know you can't do this um, and we're going to talk about how we can quiet the inner critic uh, aren't we Emmy oh yes absolutely and and as I've said it's it's completely normal and it, it goes with um, you know whenever you are presented with something new Mm-hmm. Whenever you are faced with with a new challenge, there will always be this um, feeling that mm, I'm not sure about this because it is new. You know, it's something that you need to learn from and 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 have some more experience from. Even if you have uh, all your qualifications um, under your belt, you, there will always be something you something to learn from. And you know that 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 could be quite scary. And and that's where imposter syndrome can can come knocking down your door. Absolutely. So, I mean, tell our audience about your background. How did you get to this place where you're studying and working with imposter syndrome? Well, I'm actually a, a chartered psychologist um, here in the UK. I've been an academic for over 20 years. And from my interactions with my students, you know, we, we train them and we, you know, they graduate and they, they have all these knowledge and training behind it. They, they always still feel as if they are not good enough when they enter the workforce. And, and the truth is, even with my colleagues, like early career colleagues or even experienced colleagues, you know, sometimes they still feel as if they are just winging it or they're just faking it. And I also work with healthcare professionals like, you know, doctors and nurses, you know, people who who help um, other people in the community. They also still say, mm, you know, I have this experience, I have this training, but I'm not really sure if I'm, if I'm good enough uh, at this. So, it's 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 a problem, and it's something that um, that I'm passionate about, and that's why I've I've written a book about it, so I can help people to to remedy it. We we experience this; it's absolutely fine. It's it's normal to feel this way. But as I've said earlier, we just need to be able to to manage it well when we experience imposter syndrome, um, recognize that it exists, and be able to to handle it well, so we can get on with what we need to do in our lives. So, I mean, how did you get into psychology? Why was that um, the push for you as far as education was concerned? <laughs> well, psychology wasn't really my um, my main interest. Um, I was actually 15 years old when I started university. And oh. I, I got into med school. Um, I was accepted to do um, medicine at that time. And my mom told me, uh, you're 15, um, I'm not quite sure you're ready to, <laughs> to handle the stresses of, of med school. Um, so I, I listened to her advice. She advised me to take um, psychology as a pre-med course. And if I want to, to pursue medicine after four years, then it's my decision if I want to do that. But I took psychology. I loved it. <laughs> Absolutely enjoyed it. So I ended up pursuing my master's. I, I went to London, pursued a master's in health psychology, and then eventually also pursued a PhD in community and health psychology. So that's actually where, where it led me. It wasn't my original plan, but that's where life took me. Okay, I have a question. If you actually had gone through med school, did you have a particular practice that you were interested in? 
Oh, I wanted to to be a pediatrician. <laughs> love kids, love kids. Um, but but the interesting thing is, even if I yeah, even if I ended up in um, psychology, I, I actually still work with healthcare professionals. You know, I ended up being a health psychologist, and I work really closely with um, nurses and and doctors. And and actually, that's how I got into imposters, you know, researching about imposter syndrome, because I've seen them as well, like junior doctors, you know, they, they know all these things. And when they go and do their practice, they feel as if they're not, like, they're just faking it. And they're, they're worried that um, patients will find out (laughs) that they will get caught. And, and, you know, that, that really terrifies them. So, you know, everything is somehow linked, but no, I didn't really plan to become a psychologist. It just really happened. Well, I think that's interesting because uh, if, you know, my husband's an attorney and the type of study that you do to become an attorney has nothing to do with what you do on a day-to-day basis mm-hmm. as an attorney. So, I mean, he can, he when he came out of school and he passed the, the bar exam, he could quote, case law after case law after case law and how it worked and you know what what it did and everything else but when it came down to filling out the the forms that you have to do mm-hmm. you know whether it's a case management statement or you have to do briefs or you know whatever it a complaint whatever it might be it's like whoa this isn't anything that I studied I don't know what what to do so it's not something they got taught in school no and I think me- medicine is somewhat the s- same way I had a, a colleague uh, when I was in nursing school, who said um, she was actually one of our professors, but we became very close because you know uh, my age at that time. And she said, you know, I've, I've had several doctors at this university say to me, "Why didn't you become a doctor as opposed to a nurse who's now pursuing a doctorate in nursing?" Mm-hmm. And she said, "Because I wanted to learn on live patients, not cadavers." Oh, right. And it's so true. I mean, how does a doctor learn how to be a doctor? He learns by cutting up cadavers, right? Yeah. Uh, Whereas, at least in nursing, you spend a great deal of your time actually working with the patients. So I think in some respects, there are aspects of nursing that the nurses are feeling very, the imposter syndrome doesn't pop up there. Where it pops up, I would think, is in the procedures that you do be it, you know, taking blood or, you know, doing other wonderful stuff that you do uh, post-surgery or whatever it might be, Mm. that that's where it's like, well, I didn't get a chance to practice that in school. I'm not sure I know how to do that. Would you, would you agree with that? Yeah, I absolutely agree. You know, there are certain things that we, we don't learn from the textbook. And Mm -hmm. when you go into the workplace, you have to interact with people. And this is something (laughs) that you have to um, gain from experience. And, yeah, that's why um, imposter syndrome creeps in, you know, with with junior doctors or, um, you know, early career professionals, because it's something that they didn't get taught in school. And what you'll find interesting, actually, is the ones who, who gets hit the most by imposter syndrome are the ones who do really, really well in school. Right. You know, they mm-hmm. are they are the best students um, in school. And when they enter the workforce, it's completely different. You know, it's, you know, you're not getting exams uh, like that, that you need full marks for an exam. You're interacting with people and, and the, the, the games actually, the rules of the game actually change. So that's when um, some people get hit by imposter syndrome 
and they they just really need to be able to learn how to manage it and embrace change when it when it comes to them. Absolutely, and audience, I, I think Emmy's made a really great point. Um, I know, having brought in you know folks coming right out of school and whatever into the workforce, that they are tremendous with book learning. They they can quote chapter and verse of everything that they've studied. But as she said, the one thing that they don't have and the one thing that we have to teach them in the workforce is experience, the relationship with people. How do we work together? How do we become a team and that kind of thing? And you're right. It's a huge change from the school environment to the working environment. Even if you work through college, usually it's not in your chosen field and you, know, you, be, you, you really don't feel very bright at the time, um, correct? That's correct. And um, one of the things that I, that I also um, discuss in the book, we, we have this difference between having a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. Ooh. Those with imposter syndrome tend to have a, a fixed mindset. So when I tell you about those kids who are very good in school, um, they would say, I oh, you know, it's just that I'm smart, you know, um, mm-hmm. that, that I'm just good at school. And, and that's actually quite a fixed mindset. Whereas those with a growth mindset, um, it's not that they are just smart. It's just that they are they are um, they learn well, you know, that they are able to adapt to to environments and they are more able to to cope with imposter syndrome because when change happens, they just adapt, they grow. Whereas those with imposter syndrome and those with a fixed mindset, something's new and they would say, uh, you know, this is just not for me. Like I, I'm, I'm not going to be good enough for this because this is not how I was trained. So as far as managing imposter syndrome is concerned, having a growth mindset or at least developing a growth mindset is really important. So it's not that you are smart and that is fixed is that you are you have the ability to grow and develop and be able to adapt as the circumstances change. I think that's so very, very, very important because one thing that's constant is change. Absolutely. And if, if you're fixed and say, oh, no, I can't do that, I can't do that, you can't go anywhere. Um, you're, and then you wonder, well, why am I stuck in this job or this career or whatever? I really want to do something else. And yet you turn down opportunities because you don't feel comfortable stepping into them. Now, I'm going to ask you a question about um, gender. Emmy, do you see any difference in the percentages of people in the imposter syndrome versus growth syndrome based on gender? Well, actually, there's actually research that will suggest that there are more women who experience imposter syndrome, but that would probably depend on the sector. So in in sectors that are male-dominated, um, women will will feel um, will, will get hit by imposter syndrome more because it's almost like uh, you know it's it's a it's a very masculine um, industry and I don't seem to to fit in in this sector. So yeah, there there is a, a gender divide, but usually it's um, it's uh, dependent on the sector. Okay, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would agree. The other thing that I found though is that. And, and I've spoken of this before, is, is our genetic heritage and the sense of we have to know 100% of it before we can step into it. We, um, 
you know, we don't put ourselves up front. You know, in other words, we don't ask for it. We wait to be um, asked. Uh, and, you know, we we don't raise our hand. We don't say, mm-hmm. me, I want to do this. And I think you're right. I think a lot of it has to do with I'm not good enough. Um, I'm, uh, I'm, you know, my mindset is this is what I can do. I can't do anything else. And especially in a male-dominated, how can I... Um, expect to step into that when all the people around me are all male and I I don't fit in yeah 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 that's right and 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 for people with imposter syndrome the last thing that they would want to do is to be exposed so when you are um putting yourself forward um you know with new responsibilities and new tasks you're you're actually um, exposing yourself to to possible to the possibility of failure. I'm not saying that you will fail, but there's always a risk, right? Mm-hmm. And the last thing that um, people with imposter syndrome would like to do is to expose themselves as the incompetent people that they think they are. So people with imposter syndrome tend to shy away from responsibility because when you take on responsibility, then you are you know, you're putting yourself forward and you're risking yourself of being exposed. And when you're doubting yourself, like, I'm not good enough, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm going to mess it all up. Then, you know, it's, it's a risk and, and you know, people will find out that, that, that you actually are a fraud. Or that you're not. And that's, oh, that, that can, be even, yeah. that can even because, be scarier, because right? The, because the thought can be crippling, you see. Um, so people with, with imposter syndrome, yeah, they tend to shy away from, from responsibilities because they are afraid. They are afraid that they will get exposed if they do that. And I mean, isn't there a bit of a, a sort of approach avoidance? You know, it's like I really want that, but I'm afraid. I'm afraid to be um, exposed. But I really want that. You know, it, it's, it's that sort of sense of yeah, I, I want that job. I really, I know I'm. Go- I would be good at it, but ooh, I'd be exposed. I might yeah. I'd be seen as an imposter. Do we see a lot of that? In imposter syndrome as well in women. Oh especially? yeah, absolutely. There, there is a cycle to that. Um, in my book, I actually talk about um the imposter syndrome cycle. Um, you know, we can talk about that in more detail because uh, new responsibilities come in, but you know, you hesitate. Um, and there, there's this cycle. There's this cycle to it, and and we can discuss that in more detail later. Okay, we'll do that in the next segment. Um, quick question about. Building good relationships. So needing to understand um, the impo- and we only have a minute, so we're not going to go there. Um, Emmy, do you admit? Do you see imposter syndrome in yourself? Just a real quick yes or no. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I I see it. Um, I'm. I'm actually uh, being considered for uh, a fairly large position in another organization um, as part of my company to teach leadership and critical thinking and some other things. And it's like, okay, you need to create uh, one page to tell us what you're going to do. I'm going, I have no idea what I'm going to do. And gee, am I actually good enough to do this? So audience, I'm sure you're sitting there thinking, yeah, I've been in that situation where I've been afraid to be exposed I've been afraid to um, step into something because I'm not sure that I'm good enough. Do I really have the experience to do this? Or am I just looking at the book learning that I have? Think about that. And we'll be right back after this short break. 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Have you left your corporate or military career to start your own business? Are you frustrated that you're not seeing the success you expected as an entrepreneur? Let leadership expert Linda Patton show you the key skills and mindset you need to engage your team, build your influence, and create the thriving business of your dreams. Linda Patton understands the challenges and frustrations facing a new business owner. Drawing from her own 40 years of experience in the military, corporate, government, and entrepreneurial arenas. That's why it's become Linda's life work to help women like you truly become the world-changing, extraordinary leaders you are meant to be. Are you ready to step in, step up, and step out into leadership to create an exceptional business and life? Start by scheduling a free 30-minute strategy session with Linda Patton. Contact her at Linda at Dare to Lead with Linda.com. That's Linda at Dare, the number two, leadwithlinda.com. Linda Patton draws from her four decades of leadership experience and her heartfelt passion to show women how to lead, dream, and create what inspires them. Her signature training programs and workshops will guide you through the key skills you need to own your leadership power, build your resources, plan your path, and take the actions that will translate your vision into reality. Start by scheduling a free, no-obligation, 30-minute strategy session with Linda Patton. Contact her at Linda at dare to dream with linda.com that's linda at dare the number two dream with linda.com it's your world motivate change succeed VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. you are listening to leadership stars with linda patton to reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Linda at daretoleadwithlinda.com. Now, back to Leadership Stars. Welcome back. And I have a wonderful guest today, Dr. Emmy Estacio. And Emmy is the founder of the PEME Code, which we are going to talk about. Uh, and she's the head of psychology at the Frida Project. Um, she's already told us about her background. She has a passion in helping people embrace their true worth so they can live happy and fulfilling lives. And I love the fact, Emmy, that you have several um, best-selling books um, in a series that you call Psychology in Your Life. Um, and some of the titles are The Imposter Syndrome Remedy, Change Your Life for Good, and fear is not my enemy. Yeah, that's right. Is that the new one? <laughs> yes, that's that's the third book. I, I released it in, uh, oh, it actually reached number one in Christmas. <laughs> so Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, what a great Christmas gift for someone, right? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, as we, as we closed out the first sec- section, we were talking about the imposter syndrome cycle. Mm-hmm. And we just sort of got a chance to, to mention it. Let's talk about it. What is it? Yeah, well, the imposter syndrome cycle is something that people with imposter syndrome get stuck in. So imagine you give someone a a task, you know, you give someone a responsibility and that person experiences imposter syndrome. So they are feeling doubtful about their abilities. They're feeling doubtful about, you know, whether or not they'll be able to, to do the task. So what some people do 
is they would either shy away from the responsibility. They might turn down their, uh, t- turn down their responsibility. Or if they don't have a choice because you're the boss and they have to do the job, right. they may either procrastinate you know, because they would like to um, not expose themselves as... Um, as frauds, you know, the, the longer they they procrastinate it, the, the longer people wouldn't find out that they're not good at what they do. So they may either procrastinate or they might overwork. So oh. there are two types of people who, you know, who handle imposter syndrome in this way and they get stuck in the imposter syndrome cycle. Either they procrastinate, you know, they delay the work or they overwork. Because they are doubting their abilities, they will push themselves as hard as they can. They will they will work, you know, as much as they can. So they they wouldn't be exposed as, as frauds. So either way, they, they will get the job done. You know, it gets done. However, the job when it's done, it doesn't really um, reinforce the, the good outcomes. You know, it just reinforces the self-doubt. Because if it was someone who procrastinated and got the job done, they would say, oh, you know, it was because I was under pressure and it just had to be done. It's not that I'm good at what I do. It's just that I was under pressure and and I had to do it. Whereas on the other hand, the one who overworked, even if they get it done and they do a good job, they would say, you know, it's not that I'm good at what I do or that I knew what I was doing. It's just that I really pushed myself really hard. That's why it got done. So it's not that I am good. It's just that I overworked. So mm-hmm. they get trapped in this cycle. So even if they achieve fantastic outcomes, it still reinforces the self-doubt because they cannot internalize the success. They would say it's because I was under pressure or because I just really pushed myself really hard and that's why it I got the job done. So what happens is people end up uh, getting burned out um, you know, they some of them, they experience anxiety. Some people even experience depression, you know, in, in worst cases because they couldn't, you know, they couldn't really enjoy the success. They couldn't really internalize the, the success because, you know, they, they would say it's it's not really me. It's mm-hmm. just that, um, you know, external factors or maybe people help them or, or whatever. But, you know, that's what happens when, when people get stuck in the imposter syndrome cycle. You give them a responsibility. They doubt themselves. They'll do it, but they still wouldn't think that it was their abilities or it was their experience or knowledge that, that got the job done. Wow. That's quite a cycle to be stuck in, isn't it? Yeah. And, you know, it, it, it can be quite a struggle to get out of that cycle. Sometimes you really need excellent mentors to, to pull you out of that cycle or, you know, people to really tell you, look, uh, you know, you are actually quite good at what you do. Why do you doubt yourself? So, you know, some people need a helping hand to get themselves out of the cycle. And and you actually asked me what what is this PAMI code about? And mm-hmm. for me, PAMI is a Greek word. Um, you know, I hear it all the time from my husband. He says, PAMI, PAMI. You know, it means <laughs> let's go together. You know, um, it's just, come on, come on, let's go together. And it's just a reminder um, that in life, we can go together. So if you can see someone who is experiencing imposter syndrome, you can take them out of that imposter syndrome cycle and tell them, come on, let's go together. We can do this together. Or, you know, if, if you are the one who is struggling or if you have your joys and your pains, you can do it together. You can, you can celebrate life together. And, and that's what, what PAM is really all about. 
Does PAME actually have a uh, any words that go with it, like P is for or anything like that? Oh yes, absolutely. Yeah, I, I actually borrowed that um, that word PAME uh, and and use it as an acronym for purpose, action, momentum, and energy. Again, it's just a reminder that in life we have to um, always remember um, our why. You know, what is our purpose? Why are we doing what we are doing? But at the same time, we have to couple it with action because if we have no action, all our intentions mean nothing. So you need to have purpose. You need to couple this with action. And when I say action, it has to be consistent action so you can maintain momentum. But at the same time, you also need to be mindful of your energy, not to burn yourself out in the process so you can just keep going and and live your life to the fullest. That is a phenomenal um, set of acronyms and a wonderful thought. I I so, I I would embrace that. Um, And I I would love to be able to use that with my team. So um, how... How is all of this related to building really great relationships with your team and with your family? Oh, well, it is it is very important because, yeah, as, as I've told you, I hear it all the time. Pame, pame, you know, it means <laughs> let's go together. Right. <laughs> you, you know, if, if you if you go to Greece, you know, tell them pame, they'll, they'll know what it means. But it's really just a recognition that we are not alone. Mm-hmm. When you recognize that you are not alone, you are mindful that there are others around you. And that um, we can get to share our joys and our pains with each other. And, you know, um, one of the techniques, if, if I'm going to go back to imposter syndrome, um, one of the techniques that I, I teach my students is um, called the flashlight technique. And what that means is that instead of shining the light on you and your self-doubt, you shine the light on others. You know, you shine the light onto the people you serve If you are an author, you shine the light to your readers. If you are a teacher, you shine the light to your students. If you are a healthcare professional, you shine the light to to the people, you know, to your patients or the people you are serving. So that way, it is a reminder that you are not alone, that it is not about your self-doubt, but it is about you serving others and the people around you. So, yeah, again, you know, this reminder is, is, is one way to... Um, to to remedy imposter syndrome, but also to cultivate um, good relationship with your teams, with your partners, and also your pers- personal relationship with with other people. So how, I mean, how do you actually detect imposter syndrome in someone? I mean, a- as a a boss, let's say you have you know a, a fairly good sized team of people that you're working with, and you're not you don't see them necessarily working you know they might be in a cubicle or they might be off-site or somewhere else how do you detect Mm. imposter syndrome well it's it's not very easy to detect imposter syndrome because most of the time those who experience imposter syndrome are the high achieving ones (laughs) so you 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 would think that they're actually doing doing well but um what you may notice is that those with imposter syndrome tend to shy away from responsibilities when you try to give them leadership positions that you know that they can handle, they might say, you know, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> you know, they'll shy away from, from challenges and new tasks because they, they don't want to be exposed um, for incompetence or, or whatever. So when there is a lot of self-doubt, then that, you know, that's a, a clear sign that that person is um, 
experiencing imposter syndrome. Another um, symptom um, for imposter syndrome is, uh, you know, if you have someone, again, who is a high achiever, and they tend to downplay their achievements. Like you would say, oh, you did an excellent job um, at this. You know, you, you, you wrote a fantastic report. And they would say, oh, you know, anyone can do that. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's nothing special. So they, they tend to, to downplay their, their achievements because they can't seem to, to enjoy their successes. Or when you try to give them compliments, they, they wouldn't accept that. You know, they, they, they're not really open to receiving compliments because they don't feel as if they don't, uh, they feel as if they don't deserve the compliment. So these are these are signs um, that someone may be experiencing imposter syndrome in your team. Emmy, is it easier to work um, as an individual on your own imposter syndrome, or it, does it take an intervention from someone else, be it a colleague or a boss or, or a, a part life partner, um, to be able to actually help you work through that? How how does that all work? Is it Again, is it easier for me to discover it myself and work on it, or is it easier to have somebody else see it in me and work with me on it? I think you can do it both ways. Um, if you are exper- if you've noticed it yourself, because sometimes you actually don't know that you have imposter syndrome because you would just think, "I am an imposter." It's not that I <laughs> right. have imposter syndrome; it's that. I actually am an imposter. So sometimes people with imposter syndrome wouldn't really identify themselves mm-hmm. as experiencing that. So it's that can be quite tricky. <laughs> um, so you you need to be a uh, you, you need to have an outside person to point out that you're actually good at what you do. But if you acknowledge that you actually do have imposter syndrome, you would be able to 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 manage it yourself. And in my book. Um, imposter syndrome remedy, I talk about um, understanding your inner critic, um, all these um, messages, hurtful messages, actually, that you tell yourself, you know, when you tell yourself that I'm not good enough, or that I'm not qualified enough to do this job, you know, you need to be mindful of these inner critic messages. Uh, Most self-help gurus will actually tell you to, to crush it, or to silence your inner critic. I'm going to say, um, no, don't do that. Uh, it's, it's not about silencing your inner critic, and it's not about crushing your inner critic. What I would say is the inner critic is still part of who you are. You know, whether you like it or not, the inner critic is, you know, is, is you. It's, it's you. It's, it's a part of your, your, your mental processes. It's part of, of your thinking. You don't have to silence it what I would tell you to do is to actually listen to it um, and to be mindful of, of what your inner critic is telling you. Explore where the messages are coming from and give it a bit of TLC. Now, TLC here doesn't really stand for tender loving care. Um, for people who've read my book, um, TLC is actually um, another acronym, yes. which refers to true logical or constructive right so if you have uh, an inner critic message and it tells you you're not qualified to do this job you know you're gonna fail everybody will find out that you're a fraud you're not you're not qualified to do this job ask is it true is it logical is it constructive so if you're saying you're not qualified to do this job is it true that you're not qualified have you checked (laughs) 
your your resume lately? And mm-hmm. can you actually tell me that you're not qualified to do this? Have you seen your experience? Have you seen your, um, you know, the, the knowledge and, and the skills that you have? Um, so you have to ask all these inner critic messages. Is it true? The second question is, is it logical? If you are saying that um, you're not qualified to do this job, is it actually logical for someone to hire you if you are incompetent and not qualified to do what you're supposed to do? It, it wouldn't make sense, would it? Um, so you have to ask that question as well. You know, is it, is it logical? If you have this inner critic messages, you have to ask, is it, is it logical? If it's not logical, then you'll have to, you'll have to find ways to, um, to challenge these um, thoughts and make them into something true and something that is logical. And the last question in the TLC technique is you have to ask yourself, is it constructive? Is it helping you or others in any way? So if you're telling yourself, I'm not qualified to do this job or I'm not good enough to do this job, is that constructive? How is it helping you or others around you by thinking this way? If it is not helpful, then why are you holding on to it? So that's that's the TLC technique. You have to be mindful of what your inner critic is telling you. Um, you have to explore where these messages are coming from and ask, is it true? Is it logical? Is it constructive? If it is untrue, illogical, and destructive, then you'll have to find ways to to change these messages and make them uh, into something that will help you um, embrace your, your self-worth and, and your value. Emmy, I, I love this because it does give the individual who's stuck in imposter syndrome um, some ways to um, remedy it. And I, I, I do love that. I, I do know that you need support. You need other individuals to help you as well, especially to perhaps call you on your inner critic. Um, and I, I do uh, appreciate it. God, the TLC program is awesome. So audience, think about your thoughts and where your inner critic sits on your shoulder and says, you can't do this. You're not qualified. You're not competent to do this. And let's see what we can do about that. And we'll be right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Linda Patton draws from her four decades of leadership experience and her heartfelt passion to show women how to lead, dream, and create what inspires them. Her signature training programs and workshops will guide you through the key skills you need to own your leadership power, build your resources, plan your path, and take the actions that will translate your vision into reality. Start by scheduling a free, no-obligation, 30-minute strategy session with Linda Patton. Contact her at Linda at DareToDreamWithLinda.com. That's Linda at Dare, the number two, DreamWithLinda.com. Have you left your corporate or military career to start your own business? Are you frustrated that you're not seeing the success you expected as an entrepreneur? Let leadership expert Linda Patton show you the key skills and mindset you need to engage your team, build your influence, and create the thriving business of your dreams. Linda Patton understands the challenges and frustrations facing a new business owner. Drawing from her own 40 years of experience in the military, corporate, government, and entrepreneurial arenas, 
That's why it's become Linda's life work to help women like you truly become the world-changing, extraordinary leaders you are meant to be. Are you ready to step in, step up, and step out into leadership to create an exceptional business and life? Start by scheduling a free 30-minute strategy session with Linda Patton. Contact her at Linda at Dare to Lead with Linda.com. That's Linda at Dare, the number two, leadwithlinda.com. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Leadership Stars with Linda Patton. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Linda at daretoleadwithlinda.com. Now, back to Leadership Stars. Welcome back. And I am just in awe of our guest today, uh, Dr. Emmy Estesio. She has been telling us some really great information around the imposter syndrome and the beginnings of how to remedy that. We're going to talk a little more deeply about this. But to know that her passion is to help people embrace their true worth so that they can live happy and fulfilling lives. And in her academic coaching and research career, she's worked closely with individuals and communities to unlock their full potential using these simple and easy-to-apply methods for limitless success in life. Welcome back, Emmy. It's so great to have you here. I'm having a great time, Linda. Thank you for having me. <laughs> and so am I. Now, we started talking about, you know, you know, imposter syndrome and you know 70% of the world has it um, it sounds like a disease but um, it, it is a syndrome and it manifests itself different ways in different people right mm-hmm. okay and we started with a remedy we talked about the inner critic and one of the ways that you can remedy it and you can not crush it or silence it but in essence use it um, using your TLC method, which we'll, we'll, we'll recap again at the end of the program. But there are other ways to remedy the imposter syndrome. What's another way? Well, I, I keep saying in my book it's, it's remedy, remedy because it's, we, we can't really cure right. um, imposter syndrome, right? It, it will, even, even in your case, Linda, you know, you have all these years of experience. Oh, yeah. And still, you, you still feel this way because change will always happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what I would say is another way to, to remedy imposter syndrome, you, you might think that it's all in your head and that it's all a personal experience and all I need to do is to, to make sense of what's in my mind. Yes, that's one way to remedy it. But if you want to, to have a, a, a bigger impact and, and, and try to help more people remedy imposter syndrome is by establishing supportive work environments you know, to have uh, work environments that recognizes people's achievements, you know, uh, that recognizes people's contributions at work and celebrating their wins, no matter how small. You know, even these everyday little wins, when, when, you, when you celebrate it, you, you actually cultivate um, people's strengths and they, they can start believing that, 
hey, look, I, I am growing, you know, I am uh, learning new things and, and I'm not an imposter. It's, uh, you know, there are things that I can do and, and things that I can contribute um, in, in my workplace. So I would say if, if you are a leader and, and you, ha- you are in a position to, um, to make a difference in your, in your organization, it's about having supportive work environments that recognizes people's contributions, achievements, and, and celebrating their wins, no matter how small. And Emmy, this is just so timely. Um, my book, The Art of Hurting Cats, Leading Teams of Leaders, which is a 12-step program. It's a recovering program for reluctant leaders. The last step is about celebration. And I talk about the fact that we don't do it enough. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I have a new granddaughter, and we celebrate everything from that um you know, smile that, you know, it wasn't planned to, you know, the the first rollover, to the first steps, to the first burp, whatever it might be. We, we sell, <laughs> you sell, adorable. I know, you, you celebrate everything. I mean, I'm, I get pictures and I, I love the fact that my, my daughter and, and son-in-law send me these great pictures, you know, where she's got her fist up against and she looks like she's really contemplating something. Or there was one where she actually looked like she'd just sold a stock before the stock crashed, and she was just ecstatic. And there have been other pictures that you kind of go, "Wow, this is really this is really great." And we do we we take lots of pictures, we celebrate all of those first things, and then as the child grows up and gets older, or you get more children, <coughs> excuse me, the the celebrations. And the pictures begin to slow. And I think that's true. I've worked with network marketing companies for many years. Same sort of thing. When somebody comes on board, you celebrate. When they get their first sale, you celebrate. Mm-hmm. When they make their first promotion, you celebrate. Yes, it's, it's, it, it, and it actually reinforces all these um, positive outcomes. And it's just, you know, celebrating the wins together. It's, it's, it's really, really important. Well, I th- I, and again, I think that there comes a time, though, that we stop celebrating. It's like, is it too much? It, does it become fake? Do we, um, you know, find, in other words, we have to discover something to celebrate. Is mm-hmm. it real? Um, and I love the fact that you're, you encourage work environments that celebrate mm-hmm. large and small um, yeah. wins. And and I think it's it's also a matter of just um, showing gratitude for people's contributions at work. Um, you know, when you practice gratitude, uh, you know, all the good things are magnified. Uh, if you know what I mean. So if if you are um, celebrating all these wins, um, no matter how small, your attention goes there. You, you know, you 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 expand it, and and uh, you you'll have more. You'll have more things to celebrate for because that's where your attention is going. And and as far as the you know uh, employees are concerned, you know your if if you are a leader, you know your staff, it it just reinforces the good work that they that they are doing, um, and it makes them aware of you know of of what they do well and 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 if there is some room for improvement. Then the, there's also room for growth as well. So it's not, it's not actually just um, it, you're not ignoring the 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 limitations and room for growth, but you're celebrating successes. Mm-hmm. So you can cultivate that and build upon the the successes that you already have. 
I mean, what do you recommend for people who don't like that public display of, um, I don't want to say affection, but the public <laughs> display of celebration? You know, they're, they're, they're that quiet, introverted, mm. um, analytic kind who goes, you know, don't don't get me up on stage. You know, don't don't shine the spotlight on us. How do we celebrate those individuals? Yeah, well, when when you actually give them um, responsibilities, uh, when when you actually show that you trust them, um, for uh, you know, because if if they've they've been successful in one task. And you give them more responsibilities for that. You don't have to give them awards. And, you know, sometimes all these awards, it just makes um, your team compete against each other. Right. Um, but it's, it's, it's about recognizing um, what their skills are and giving them um, uh, uh, tasks that light them up, you know, tasks that they are good at and, and recognizing um, their skills and, this, and their strengths in that way. One way that I would actually recommend as well, um, especially, for example, if you have um, early career staff. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that mentoring is good, um, but I'm not talking about uh, having your experienced staff to mentor early career staff. I'm talking about early career staff becoming mentors themselves, because that is one way that you could show that uh, they also have skills and, and knowledge that senior staff could learn from. If you mm-hmm. know what I mean. So it's actually recognizing that they have skills and they have abilities that that senior um, members of staff could learn from. So that's one way of, you know, recognizing and celebrating what they know, what their skills are without really, you know, putting them on a on a platform and, you know, giving them medals and, and that kind of stuff. It's it's recognizing what they're good at, recognizing their skills, you know, giving them responsibilities, even, you know, as early career staff, you know, as mentors, you know, teaching others what they are good at. Um, I do know some young people, for example, they're absolutely fantastic with social media. Mm, I'm yes. just starting to learn. Mm-hmm. I'm really new. I'm really new on Facebook. I'm not even on Twitter or anything like that, but I'm still learning. But you have all these young people who are just absolutely brilliant with social media. You know, they can mentor um more senior members of staff and show them that they have these knowledge and skills that they could they could teach others. So, so yeah, so that's one way of, of recognizing um, your staff's abilities and, and skills and not really having to put them on a spotlight in terms of giving them awards and, and things like that. Yeah, there are a couple of things that came out of that. One is years and years and years and years ago, you had um, a, like a little award that was like an attaboy, girl, um, which of course is totally um, out of, out of, character right now but you got this this little thing that said you did something special this week and you could collect in essence collect those and get things for them which people did and it, it was it was great and it was a way of recognizing those especially who didn't want to be in the public eye mm-hmm. and so you could you could just dro- sort of drop one on their desk and say this is great I, I you know I think this was super what you did this week and just you know, in essence, collect them and then, you know, create something, some kind of a gifting program out of that. Also, this whole thing about early career mentoring, you're absolutely correct. The the younger people, the people who are in their early career have skills that we as, you know, older individuals um, don't. 
Um, social media is is key for me. It's something that I have, you know, it's like, you know, don't get me there. Thank God I have a fantastic VA who handles that for me. Um, but they they can do things faster, smarter, quicker, especially on the internet and on computers than we ever would have thought of. And to have them, you know, training, training, doing classes, you know, working with people individually is a brilliant idea. And for this, those of us who are a little bit older, it's, it's a great way for us to learn the stuff that we need to know now and not get stale in our jobs, right? Mm-hmm, that's absolutely right. So it's yeah. So it's recognizing all these skills, all these knowledge that that your your members of staff can can contribute in the team. Fantastic. And Amy, you have a free gift for our audience. Would you tell us a little bit about that? Well, yes. My my free gift is actually a a workbook that you can use to remedy imposter syndrome, and it's an it's a thirty day action plan. Right. Um, you can work through um this workbook as a guide if you are mentoring someone. Or you can use it yourself. Um, this workbook, this workbook is actually a companion material for my book, Imposter Syndrome Remedy. But it's self self explanatory, and you can work through it over a thirty day period. Okay, and those the free gift is actually on my free gifts page. Um, so please um, connect with that, and definitely, I I'm going to take advantage of that. Um, and I really appreciate the fact that you've done that, Emmy. Emmy, is there like one last thing that you would like to share with the audience? And then I would love a tip from you as well. Oh, one, okay. Well, for me, I, I keep saying because I, I'm the I'm the founder of the PAME code, and I keep saying PAME. It's all about uh, let's go together. We can celebrate our lives together. We can we can go through this journey together. If you are experiencing imposter syndrome reach out to someone who may be able to help you. And if you are someone who can see someone else who's experiencing that, reach out. We don't have to suffer in silence. We can do this together. I think that's the really important um, takeaway message that I'd like to share with your audience. Thank you. And you also have that one last tip. Oh, yes. Which is around around TLC, right? Oh, yes. The TLC technique. Again, if you have all these inner critic messages in your head, um, don't crush it. Don't silence your inner critic. Listen to your inner critic. Explore where the message is coming from. And remember to give it TLC. Ask, is it true? Is it logical? Is it constructive? Make sure that you have enough evidence to support um, you know, to answer these questions. And if you are holding on to beliefs that are untrue, illogical, or destructive, then you'll have to find ways to to challenge these because it's not helping you or, or others around you. Fantastic. Thank you, Emmy, so very much for being with us today. It has been a joy to have you here. Well, thanks for having me too, Linda. I, and I hope your listeners will, will find value from, from this conversation of ours. And I- and I know they will. And audience, please, if you'd like more information about The Art of Hurting Cats, Leading Teams of Leaders, or Awaken the Leader Within, please send me an email at lynda at dare, the number two, lead with lynda.com. And until next time, remember, be courageous, dare to lead. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to Leadership Stars. Please join Linda Patton for another engaging edition of our program next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time 
on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll feature another noted leader next week. 